0: All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's a PGA podcast. It's Tuesday. It's July 28th. I'm Doug Norian. Over there is Chris Darrell. Good morning, everyone. Morning to you, Bud. We took a week off last week for PGA. Didn't discuss the 3M. Uh, The field wasn't as loaded uh, as as the normal weeks. I don't feel too guilty about it. I feel like as we gear up for, I mean, baseball's back. uh, Basketball's two days away at this point. And this week we have – well, we have – this is is an absolute mouthful to say this this event. Uh, The WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational. Nailed it. comes down this way. Nailed it. But this is a – I mean, would you call this like a major but better? Because you're going to talk about the structure and how it's different than other normal PGA – how's was going to say PGA podcasts. That's us. No, PGA tournaments. Um, Mm -hmm. But like do you think this is even almost like better than a major because of the no cuts? I'm kind of – I'm pretty excited for this format. We're going to talk a lot about what the no-cut structure means. We'll talk about this, you know, like I said, this absolute who's who grouping of, of golfers. But just to start, do you think that because it's no-cut, because it's purely invitational, um, that it's just going to play – do these, these these kind of tournaments just play differently than just your standard Friday cut sweat kind of situation that we've been in that we're typically in here with PGA?
1: Yeah, most definitely. Um It's better in a major in that there's, you know, you get these majors, you do get the best in the world like we have here. The only difference is you also get, um, depending on which major it is, you get these low-end qualifiers, whether it be the PGA professionals, whether it be amateurs. um, So you get, you know, kind of the bottom of the field is kind of, not very good at some of these majors where this is a no-cut event you're only getting the best in the world i think we have nine of the top 10 in the world and like 47 45 somewhere in there of the top 50 golfers in the world so it's just a stacked field and everyone gets to play four days it's a guaranteed check the only thing you really worry about is maybe guys that are injured with that guaranteed check as long as they tee it up they're getting paid they play one hole Withdraw. They're still getting paid, so you really got to watch out for those injured guys. I'm
0: watching you, Dustin Johnson. <laughs> oh, oh man, Dustin John I didn't think we we're gonna get to Dustin Johnson this early, but my goodness, this has been. Uh, he withdrew from was it the Memorial? He would No, no, three M last week. Yeah, he withdrew from three M last week after just basically shooting a seven over. He was sixteen over at the Memorial. I guess you want to give him. Uh, I mean you want to give them a slight pass with that number only because the course was so freaking hard that 16 doesn't look as bad as, I mean the seven of the three M looks terrible because uh, that had some, that had some like, you know, minus 19s or like ROMs ROM score. I think it was like minus 19 or something like that. Um, And so at that point, like, I guess you kind of have to you know be worried about it, but, these last three weeks, from our pro- last two weeks, last three rounds for him have completely dumpstered his projections. Like yeah, it didn't his take back. Mu- it, it didn't take much. Um, yeah, so I don't think we need to go there really with him today. Nope. I, you're just I, I know you're kind of just off the cuff just mention him cause just
1: mad coaching. about it. Really, I'm still mad about it, Doug.
0: <laughs> oh, just because he was so bad. I it was it was it was absolutely <laughs> brutal. I watched part of that thing. It was it was tough to watch. But uh, him aside, we have. Great golfers this week. Uh, yep. Rahm, McElroy, JT, uh, Bryson back in here after his uh 10 cup like meltdown uh, two weeks ago at the memorial, which was another <laughs> one really sight to behold. Actually, the only reason I wanted the podcast last week was to talk about that, yeah. like to just to talk, just to talk about that just meltdown for the ages. On I think it was 16 or 17, where he just kept taking drops, just like would say, you know, FU ball, just <laughs> going right back forward, hitting woods out of the rough, yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think that throws me off too much. But I mean, how do you even start? How do we even start? Well, okay, no, let, me, let me rewind. Let's look at the course first. Take, take, walk us through the course. What we know okay. about this course here. Then we're going to st- start to figure out how we even basically split hairs between all these group golf. This, this great group of golfers, because that's essentially what we're going to have to end up doing. Is this is a this is a great group, and we're just going to need to f- really find it along the edges to make to even find the the subtle differences between guys that. I mean, really, they're all just great, right? And so, but we're going to have yep. to figure out yeah, who to bet on, who to play. But walk us through the course first.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Um with that many golfers, you make a great point, and that the differences between golfer A and golfer B we're looking, say, the guys that are 9,500 and up, there's definitely a very slight difference between them, and making those decisions can be crucial. But into the course, um, it's TPC Southwind, it's par 70, 7, yards. We got Bermuda Greens, the green size are about the smallest on tour, I think, other um, than Pebble Beach, they're 4,300 square feet. Pebbles around 35, 36, I believe. Tour average is around 65, so these are very small greens. The biggest note here with this, last year this course um, was the WGC event. That was the first time it was the WGC event at this course. Before that, TPC Southwind just played as the FedEx St. Jude Classic and all the way back to I believe it was like 1987 or 1985. So we got a lot of course history in terms of that. Now there are some differences that did stand out um, in terms of it coming from a full field event into a no-cut event with obviously, like you said, like major with all the top players in the world. We're obviously going to see some differences there the first one um, from 2015 to 2018 the St. Jude Classic played as the 15th hardest or better um, so it was 15th 11th 10th and 9th hardest over those four years last year it played as 25th hardest obviously um, the first thing that you pull out of that is you have a lot more better you know, the field is just stacked so you're getting a lot more better players you're also losing the bottom of the field as well so that's obviously going to lead to some better scoring but in terms of like stats on the course itself. Uh, last year, the field averaged under 60% driving accuracy, so we got some smaller fairways than we've seen in the past. The rough isn't too penal, so I'm not too worried about that. I think they've got it listed at like 2.5 inches or something like that. We've seen 3.5 up to 4 inches at the Memorial um, in terms of rough, so that's not too bad. But the greens and regulation is also down because we get we get some mid to long iron shots. We've got these small greens like we talked about. So in terms of what I'm looking for for stats, I'm looking at guys that are ball striking really well. Um, that's a combination of off the tee plus approach. Um, when we break down approach a little bit more, I'm looking at that 150 to 175, 175 to 200 yard range um, when I'm really breaking down the approach. And then greens are sorry, around the green, um, scrambling, stroke gain around the green is going to be important because we've got small greens and because the field's only going to hit 60 to 65% greens in regulation, there's going to be a lot of shots coming from around the green. That's where guys can really separate themselves. Um, the guys that can get up and down and save par versus giving bogeys um, back to the field, I think that's going to be really key as well. And then par fours, Um, we've got only two par fives on this course, so obviously par four scoring is going to be important and seven of those par fours come from 450 plus. So that gets us into that, um, 175 to 200 yards, kind of that longer approach range for some of the guys. So I think that's what's going to be key. I think we're going to see a winning score again. Um, you know, minus 15 to minus 18 here at this course. Um, so that's kind of the way I'm looking at this week.
0: Yeah, um, it's a great course breakdown. I uh, I'm interested to hear some of your thoughts on the golfers that you know do stand out because, like I said, we have this group. We have all the top ranked golfers in the world. I hate to just kind of harp on this, but um, it is it, it's hard to sometimes look at these names. Like it's hard to look at Bryson and JT and and Rom and um, you know, I'm going to not give away the, the goat too much because I think we're going to talk about some guys outside of this group. Um, you know, Rory and say to yourself, well, just sort of on paper, these guys are all. Uh, the same, the same. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like um, yeah, the same, and that they're all awesome. On any given week, they can just go out and win. Uh, you know, Bryson's kind of meltdown aside from from, from last time around, um, and you know Rory hasn't been uh, hasn't really beaten the band since the restart. But it's not like he's been bad. Um, it's just that he hasn't. I, mean, I think his top finish was he finished a top five. No, he hasn't finished in the top five since the restart. He's got a thirty-two, t thirty-two, t forty-one. T11, T32. So maybe you want to say, oh, he hasn't been quote-unquote himself or something like that um, compared to these other guys who have all, you know, had at some point had an elite finish in here, right? Like, you know, Bryce yeah. has finished top ten, of, you know, I think every week but the <laughs> the previous week.
1: DJ's even won.
0: Yeah, that's right. Even even with his, you know, plus 23 over the last three rounds, he's actually taken one home, and like, which is actually crazy because the plus 23 came directly following the win. But even Thomas yeah. has finished, has gotten a second place and an and 18th, or excuse me, a second and an eighth and a tenth in here. And so maybe that's, the, that's where it mean, starts to separate some of these guys. But where are you looking among this top group, knowing that we can't – you know, we can't roster all of them. Maybe we can roster two of them if we're really looking to get, you know, to pick some value around the cheaper uh, the cheaper end of the tier. Um, but even that feels a little risky, you know, with, the, with this group of golfers. But where are you looking around this top, of this uh, this elite group?
1: Well, what I did this week, um, suggestion actually from one of my, my patrons, it was like asking for information on no-cut events. And I'm like, you know what? I've got data all the way back to the start of the 2017 season. So I put together this sheet looking at all the no-cut events, since the start of the 2017-18 season, turned out to be about, I think it was 20 events in the sample size. Number one at the top, just incredible numbers. I know a lot of you are thinking, oh, it's probably Xander Shoffley. No, he's number going to be right around number two in terms of value on that sheet. Justin Thomas has played 16 no-cut events since the start of that season he's got four wins um the most recent coming at the tournament of champions he also won the cj cup back in the fall um he was third at the tour championship last year and first at the bmw right before that so three of those wins have come in the last five events in those 16 events in the larger sample size 10 top 10s 15 Top 25s in that time, averaging over 103 DK points. He absolutely loves these. Uh, he can just go off with his birdies. I said to you offline... Um, Maybe it's a mindset thing for some of these guys where they just come out and they don't worry about having that bad round or a few bad hole stretch, Um, you know, being aggressive where they just all of a sudden lay back, say, okay, we need to make the cut. We need to make the weekend. Everyone plays four rounds. Uh, A bad first round is not going to kill someone here um, because, you know, they can come back and make a ton of birdies. It may kill them for, you know, maybe winning the event, but it's not going to kill them in terms of birdie upside um, because they're not going to be pushing to make the cut on Friday. They still get three days. So um, maybe that's why he stands up. he's definitely going to be my number one and then right next to him is uh Tyrell Hatton for for other reasons he's just been incredible since the restart um he's one that i was really looking at he won the arnold palmer before the restart and actually had a what was the finish rate before that i can't find it i oh a t6 at the wgc mexico before that was a t14 at the wgc hsbc in the fall so he's had some success at the wgcs and then since those wgcs he's won the arnold palmer third at the rbc since the return and fourth at the rocket mortgage his putter has been absolute fire and he's traditionally a good putter so I'm not worried about him maybe overperforming with the putter but those two guys are definitely in the top tier the ones that I'm kind of building around this week
0: yeah, I don't know if it's a limited field, and uh, but I, you know, you the way you project a PGA is a little bit different than the way that I project PGA, which is good. I think it lends itself to like a really well-rounded approach when it comes to just you know it ends up kind of just targeting different guys and just having yep. conversations about different guys. This is the first week where I opened up your article, um, and it lined up very, very closely to what our overall projections just say, right? And so I'm always really, I'm, I'm like almost doubly encouraged when that happens because I feel like we're, I don't want to call golf anything like safe, but like that strikes me as getting into a very safe zone because if, if, if the, if the numbers that we're using, which is basically like, you know, rounds Mm -hmm. per average and not, not to go into all the formulas here, but, um, it's, it's just a different approach. It it relies a lot less on, um, specific skill sets and more just around overall body of work. Whereas yours relies a lot more on skill set over time. And I think that's good to have both. I think it's important, but, um, I opened it up. I was like, "Seeing oh, them nice. overlap is awesome." Yeah, because our we have Justin Thomas as the second highest projected golfer this week, except that, and which is really important because he's the second highest projected golfer, but he's the fourth most expensive guy on DraftKings. So all of a sudden, you're saying, "Okay, good." Well, mm-hmm. um, if the if the mistakes, if if we not mistakes, but if uh, the DraftKings scoring um, folks, you know, I know I know that's an algorithm. See them, see him as the fourth most expensive. Th- then, but we see him as the second best, and all of a sudden, we're getting. Really, really nice value. But he's, yep. he's about two percent higher projected than Rory. Uh, maybe like two and a half percent higher than John Rom. Um, and so, and I get that Rom's price has jumped up because of the win. So I was really pumped to see the Justin Thomas thing. He's basically an every lineup guy for us at this point. Little closer on DraftKings than it is on Fanduel, uh, where he's basically in about 100% of projected lineups right now. And yeah, and Tyrell Hatton is right behind him. Uh, like great value on DraftKings uh, at 9.7. Not sure if he ends up being chalk because I don't know if you can like really make chalk this week just based on the names. But Hatton's been a guy that our system actually really from the beginning, really since the restart, has really has really really liked. Um, it liked what they saw. It was the only problem with him was the sample size. He just hadn't played he hadn't played tons around rounds rounds and because of that, I a, like a in the sample size, and I wish I hadn't, because it was really calling him out as being just a tremendous, tremendous value really since the the when this all started again. I know he's only played in two events, the RBC and the Rocket. So um yeah, I, I'm totally on board with both these two guys. Uh, I have bets in on just to, I'm going to try to I'm trying to do a little better in this ch- uh, this time around t- walking through the some of our bets as we kind of walk through it. I did bet uh Hatton to win at 3000, Hatton top 10 at 280, um, and then Hatton top 20 at plus 115. And just I mean these the these top 20s get a little different because the field is yeah. so small. So so you get a little more close to even money odds on anyone that's good uh, just because um, you know I think we only have 80 something golfers in there. So I do have uh, bets in on on him kind of across the board. Didn't go as far with JT, but I probably will now that I kind of look his. It's funny his win odds are slightly better than the way his he's priced out right. on these sites. Um, like he's actually I think the second projected golfer to win. Yeah, uh, plus nine hundred. Um, but that which you know which, which is another way you can probably call out that there's been a pricing inefficiency. Uh, let me just actually stop you stop before we move down um, into another rung. I do want to talk about Bryson. We still have Bryson as the top projected golfer among this group. Um, he's, we have him just kind of like easily the top projected golfer and that's factoring in that T 84 kind of blow up. And I, and I gotta say, I I want to worry about that. And I also don't want to worry about it because it was really one hole that did him in. Now look, the, 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 Memorial did a lot of guys in on one hole, right? Daniel Berger, double bogey 18 to miss the cut and almost broke my heart. But the, um, but this guy's been an absolute monster. Some T3, T eight, T six, and then he wins the Rocket and then just blows up really outside of that hole. Maybe he makes the cut and the rest of the weekend's very exactly. different. Does it does it does it strike you as okay that he's still the top projected golfer uh in our system? And I mean, right now we kind of have him in all fan yep. lineups, it's not in DraftKings where the pricing a little, t- little little tougher. But does that strike you as correct? Is it correct to not read that much into what happens in the Memorial. Well,
1: we always talk about it in baseball, talking about small sample sizes and not drawing too much from it. It's a little different in golf, just because of the you know the nature of it, uh, week in and week out. Um, if this was a guy that was in that six to seven K range, you know, outside the top 50 in the world, not one of your better name, elite golfers, I would probably be worried a little bit being that it's Bryson who is a top five player in the world to me pretty close right up there with Rom as in like contending for uh, top overall player in the world. He's number seven right now, by the way, um, seeing that it was one, it was just one hole. Really, really, really bad hole, and that right. led to him losing. I bet you he lost negative six strokes on approach that tournament. I bet you that hole contributed
0: probably at least half of that. <laughs> um Oh, at least, at least. I mean, I think he scored a triple bogey. It was like, a 9 was or a, a 10. It was bogey? a 10. Yeah, it was terrible, and it was all just because he got in his head, and he he just got kind of got meat-heady with it and didn't want to just figure out the better way to just approach the hole. And He's hitting three guys, woods out of four-inch was... rough. Like, that... That's ridiculous. He's arguing with the PGA guys about where the ball's laying within this fence—it's a clear, it's a clear rule—and <laughs> yeah. he's just still. It was, it was just, it was such a mess, right? And but, but that that tournament, that that tournament was one. It was, it was incredibly difficult. It's weird too because we talked about this a little offline. But if you missed the cut at the Memorial, at least in our projections, it actually might have not turned out to be so bad for you because it, it kind of got, it kind of. Because there, there was guys that missed the cut that finished better than the guys that made the cut because they just kept losing strokes over the course of the rest of the weekend because um, the course was so hard. That so was it, the second even part. That, yep,
1: hundred percent. Yeah. So, so I'm not I, worried at all.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, I I see him I see him as a total bounce back candidate here. Um, our system does too, and I just wanted to make sure that we were kind of aligned. Anyone else to take from this top group? I mean, thoughts on Rory? We said he hasn't really beaten the band to come out of this. Rom's gonna I think gonna be popular mostly. Because people love John Rom than they should, and uh, he's coming off the win. We have Xander up there as well. I mean, I'm throwing. I'm trying to you know, can't lay Webb Simpson. I'm trying to throw these like a ten and a half to eleven K guys on Fanduel out there. Any interest in any of these other guys outside of the ones we already mentioned?
1: Well, I think this is going to be a great week. Um, I think we can make some GPP pivots because you mentioned him. I think he's probably going to be the highest owned. Um, If it's not Justin Thomas, it'll be Xander Shoffley. He's been tremendous on these no-cut events as well. You mentioned no-cut event to almost anyone in the PGA DFS industry. They're mentioning Xander before Thomas, to be honest with you. This is what I've heard Mm -hmm. the whole week so far. Uh, I mean, it's only Tuesday, but still, in 18 events, he's got two wins. Um, He's finished second in each of the last two no-cut events and top 10 in four straight and actually second in the last three of the last four so he's just been awesome on these events as well uh he's got the most tags on fan chair, right up there with thomas as well so i think he's going to be high owned. but back so i he's definitely going to be a core play for me in terms of gpp builds i absolutely love this range because we can now take Xander. i, I just go and take like the top five guys is something i've been starting to do go look at the top five projected ownership guys cross them off in that top tier and start building around the other guys these this brings us to Bryson, John Rahm, uh, Patrick Cantley, Webb Simpson these are all guys who right now are outside like the top 10 overall in tag counts um, probably going to be half to maybe a third of the ownership of say Justin Thomas, Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley, Tyrrell Hatton and of course Daniel Berger who's still in the mid 90s range (laughs) but he's won here twice plus he's been you know had some good form so he's going to be high up there as well so I think there's some great opportunities to make some pivots um this week yeah, we have
0: uh, Shoffley. I think fifth overall. Let me just double check. Uh, one, two, three, four. Uh, he's sixth. Sixth overall, highest projection. Just a, just a tick under Hatton, above Cantlay, above guys like Webb Simpson, Rob Patrick Reed. I'm I'm kind of looking in the same odds range. Yeah, Reed kind of jumps out of the odds range there. Um, but it definitely Cantlay and Simpson are in that same um, sort of win odds range as Xander, and we have him projected two eh, percent more. Then two eh, to three percent more uh, than both of those guys, uh, which you which you like because he's actually the cheapest of those three. If you're kind of looking right, at, like he, had, I think it'll be close between him between him and Hatton. And I think actually, if you want to in DraftKings, if you want to jump out of the five-digit price tier, um, which is basically Bryson, JT, Rory, uh, Rom, and Cantley, you can get nice builds around Hatton and Shoffley. Oh, huge! Because, it's amazing. Well, and I think it's gonna be important because. Like the pricing gets a little tough here, and you might have to roster guys that you don't love looking at because you're staring at the top of this field, right? Like, yeah. you're like, and I think that ends up becoming, could end up becoming a problem because. If you're staring at the prospect, oh, well, you know, I don't even want to give away the, I don't want to bury the lead here. Let's walk through some of these other guys because we yep. are going to have to dip down into the mid-tier and lower tier, I believe, uh, just to be able to round out some of the lineup. So who do you like in the in this mid-tier? We'll call it like the 8,000-ish range uh, on DraftKings to maybe just as a, as a loose parameter. But who do you like in this tier?
1: For sure. Well, if I'm starting to build, and you can build an awesome balance build with, like you said, Hatton and Shoffley, if you want to avoid that top tier and not go superstars and scrubs, it's definitely in play, because two guys in that mid-8K range that stand out to me uh, right away, and I highlighted them, I wrote them up as well in the mid-tier, is Gary Woodland and Billy Horschel. Horschel's been consistent, not great. Um, overall, and I think the system agrees that he just loves to make cuts. He has shown some upside, don't get me wrong there. Um, He's got a seventh two, two tournaments ago, and then he's had some top tens as well back so he does have that top 10 upside i don't think he's got that top 10 upside this week i'm kind of looking at like top 15 top 20 somewhere in there but he finished t9 here last year when it was a wgc he also had a ton of brought a ton of success into this event um last year because he had four top 10s in five previous events at just the st jude classic full field event Um, so i really like that everything just kind of blends together with him and then woodland just seems too cheap he Is probably going to be a bit lower on just because he hasn't had success here. He's T-55 here last year, which is pretty close to dead last. Um, He was T-91 back in 2016 when it was a full field event. He hasn't had a top 20 here since 2013. Um, So the success hasn't been there, but he's been really good, uh, you know, outside that driver issue that he had when he was kind of switching drivers. But looking at his stats since the return, he's third in birdies gained, fifth in strokes gained approach, fifth in DraftKings scoring, and – looking at that birdie or better he's ninth in opportunities gained which kind of correlates closely with that strokes gained approach stat as well so i just i really like his ball striking he lost strokes again and off the tee last week not concerned i think he gets back on the horse he just seems like he's too cheap in that range
0: yeah he right now among the group of the top 20 ish golfers that we have projected um for just overall points, Woodland is the best points-per-dollar value on DraftKings at 8,600. Um, so nice. I do like seeing that. Oh, oh, no, I take that back. There's one guy better, and I was just putting the you button. But they're, they're projected within... They're basically at the exact same projection, 96.34 to 96.33. Uh, so they're only a hundredth of a point off. But this other guy is 200 cheaper. That's Abraham Answer. Uh, thoughts on Answer, And I think that's the only reason we're going, our system's pivoting a little bit more to Answer uh, in terms of DraftKings because it's taking the $200 savings. Uh, any thoughts? I know I'm kind of throwing him at you because he's not a guy we discussed uh, off air. But the um, any thoughts here on Answer um, as maybe you know where where would he rank in that in that woodland horsel group for you cuz he is priced in that same range
1: uh he was actually next on my list he oh, was right, like right there with those guys like making the decision between those three if you have to is going to be tough There's a chance I might just roster all three um, and just go super balanced in cash games this week. But answer does stand out big time. Um, The ball striking has been there, except for last tournament, which the Memorial was his last tournament. He did make the cut, but he lost 7.5 strokes on approach. 7.5 strokes on approach, still finished with a T58, um, which is, I'm kind of throwing that out again because it was the Memorial. Not only do they have crappy conditions for a lot of the rounds, it's a very tough course after playing three, four events where you're looking at winning scores of minus 19 and then just jumping into like a U.S. Open style course. I'm I'm kind of throwing that out just simply because his ball striking has been absolutely elite since the return and even going before the return. Um, he's played here. Uh, before it was, he missed the cut when it was a full field event in 2018. He was T18 in 2016, so he has had some success on this course. He does have some history on this course, not looking into that real big by any means when you go look at the no-cut events um, he finished t4 at the wgc hsbc back in the fall so he has had some success before that it wasn't great but seeing that he kind of bounced through put up 100 plus dk points in an elite field um, wgc event not too long ago i mean the fall was long ago but i mean it still is this season um, everything
0: kind of lines up for him to have a bounce back week as well uh, right now just a couple of answer bets i have in answer top 10 at plus 430 answer top 20 at plus 175 and where i've been trying to concentrate a little bit more over the past few weeks is just taking tournament matchups when possible um -hmm. basically just using our projection system to show consistency plus um sort of upside uh and we i was able to get even money answer over fowler which i put in like a double unit bet on that because that seemed way wrong um so it was answer over fowler and then uh, i don't want to backtrack too much i had hatton over matsama at minus 110. Um, and there's some like other that one too. There's some other guys in here uh, that I've just and Woodland, uh, Woodland top twenty at plus one seventy five and Woodland at uh, top ten at four thirty. By the way, both those guys answer and Woodland because their projections were exa- exactly the same. Their odds are basically exactly the same on every site, also at um, every book. Yep. So um, I just saw those sort of as interchangeable slash making sort of the same uh, bet on each other. So um, yeah, so it's it's really. I'll nice be looking
1: as- for that answer over Fowler. I really
0: like that bet. That was on. Answer's been
1: so consistent. Yeah,
0: that's on my bookie. Um, so that was you know you have to kind of shop some of these because they don't they yep. different books put out just different ones. Um, uh, Fanduel has some and good adjust ones.
1: them at different timelines too. So it's it's it can pay off paying attention to having you know having three or four books open and just monitoring those odds through Tuesday even Monday. Oh yeah,
0: definitely. So. um I still actually liked Bryson to win at 1400. I thought that that had dropped probably too much. Uh, I was able to get that on my bookie as well. So, uh, so anyway, just like I said, trying to get a little more consistent on this about just. Speaking out about what some of the bets are, because uh, I think that's I think it's important. I think PGA lends itself to betting. Um, I mean, as good as any other sport, but um, I think it's just it's also kind of just maybe the most exciting one to bet on, which is weird in a weird way because it's just, oh the it's, four it, day sweat yeah it's just a slow burn of four days and it can just absolutely <laughs> drive you crazy drive you crazy and one round can kind of save you or sink you. So uh, there is a lot to like when it just comes to when it just comes to lining up some of these bets. All right, let's let's go down into this lower <clears throat> tier into this bottom. I mean, we're gonna call these like true values, but I think you're gonna need them because, um, like I said, you just end up running out of money, especially if you wanna if you wanna roster any of that top five to seven group um, at any of these sites. You're just not gonna you're just not gonna have enough money to to really roster even well, definitely not two of them, but even one of them because even stepping down even one tier, you're gonna to need to go a little cheaper. I have some guys interested to hear uh, some of your thoughts on where we might look. Let's call it like the 7 to low 8,000 range on FanDuel. Um, DraftKings, were are probably looking like the 6 to low 7s uh, in terms of salary there. Uh, who do you like in this group?
1: It's very interesting down here, that's for sure. In my article, I immediately jumped all the way down to the bottom just for superstars and scrubs and went Keegan Bradley. I'm um, going to go full Keegan this week. <laughs> it just seems like too cheap of a price is really what stood out to me. 6300 for a guy. Um, in this field, which is an elite field, since the return of golf, he is top twenty in stroke gain, approach, and ball striking. Um, his, I talked about that proximity range from one hundred and fifty to two hundred. He ranks twenty fifth and second there. So his ball striking is awesome. He's just for sixty three hundred seems too cheap for a guy that we get for four rounds. And I know he is like a terrible putter. If we could just get him, you know, to have an average putting. You know, throughout the whole event, I, he's easily got top 20 upside to me here. So that $6,300 price tag. If he was seven plus, it would be a heck of a lot tougher decision for me to go with Keegan um, just because of that putting and pretty much everywhere else um, besides his ball striking. But that just stands out. You got me on Brendan Todd just looking just strictly at his consistency here. He's gained strokes on approach after missing the cut in the first two events, <coughs> excuse me, and <coughs> coming back. T11 at the Travelers, T57 at the Rocket Mortgage, T22 at a very tough Memorial track um, at Muirfield Village there. He's gained strokes in three straight events, and at Memorial what really contributed to that T22 was he gained over five strokes around the green. Going to need that this week with a small... Uh, green so seeing him come in with a hot putter hot irons and a really hot event where he was awesome around the green scrambling i absolutely love todd if you're going uh, pretty much any format at that price and by the way um, then, it's easy to forget yes. that but
0: he was on track to almost win the travelers and he yep. just blew up on i i think it was the front it was somewhere on the front nine i can't remember exactly what hole but he went like three or four over par on one hole uh ended up five over and now look you got to count everything counts and so you get you get you have to look at what everyone does over the course of it, but he he's T 11 with a plus five on that in that fourth round. Right. Like he was very close he was just winning. I think he was winning by two strokes to, to go, going into Sunday or something like that. So he has yep. that. He, it
1: was I'm, close, like that. Yeah,
0: I'm just saying that he has kind of that in him. Is, is where I'm kind of yep. referencing. Oh, and
1: he won twice in the fall. Right. He won back to back events, and I mean they're a lot crappier events, obviously lesser fields, but winning a PGA tournament is hard, whether it's a good field or a bad field. So winning back to back, he's definitely got huge upside.
0: Yeah. So he was a, a guy price. that we that he was a guy that we throw out here. Another guy that our system liked, and I saw you wrote him up, and I was in, another kind of encouraged with this, Corey Connors. Uh, walk me through the Corey Connors take because, um, oh, he, <laughs> not oh, just because, sorry, I'll stop not just because of the, yeah, not just the home field advantage, but the, or home field <laughs> fan advantage, um, 7,300 yeah. on DraftKings, 8,400 on a fan duel. Going to need to find some guys in this price range for sure. Uh, walk me through the case for Connors. Cause, uh, our system definitely likes him from a consistency standpoint over the last, yeah, I mean, basically over the last year.
1: So I, Keegan Bradley to me is a cheap man's Corey Connors right. <laughs> if if that makes sense and I'll kind of tie it all together here they're both elite ball strikers Connors has actually been a better ball striker so his approach game um, is is elite his off the tee has been really good I think since the return I'm just going to bring that up I wrote it up in my article but of course I can't find it fourth in ball striking fourth in approach sixth in par four scoring 11th in opportunities gained since the return just again a terrible putter Um, looking at that ball striking he's gained strokes in both off the tee and On the approach in six straight events, he's gained strokes on approach in nine of his last 10, but he's only gained two putting in those 10 events. So that's kind of his issue. Same as Keegan. So if we can get that elite ball striking, um, have him even like when he even averages average, like average putting for the event, he's like top 25. He you can bank it as a top twenty-five as long as he isn't absolutely terrible putting. Even when he's terrible putting, lost uh, almost three strokes putting at the workday. Finished t thirty-nine. I'll take that at this price because he's going to make his birdies um, at this event, especially. So he definitely stands out for me. Yeah,
0: right now, um, if you, depending on who you lock and exclude on DraftKings, and if you run it on Fanduel, it's just uh, I'll just I'll read through the Fanduel lineup, and you can tell me if you think this lines up as a cash lineup. Um, it's looking pretty good to me. It's got Bryson, uh, JT, Tyrell Hatton, Answer. Connors, Todd. Um, that strikes me as decently safe going into the weekend. Um, I don't know if your thoughts. I don't know if you think it's a little too top heavy because we get the Deshambo and Thomas thing. But I, like I said, the the spread on the FanDuel prices is not as uh, is not as stark as it is on DraftKings. That that kind of lines up, you know, closely with where your, the at least where your um, your article went and our projections. Um, that strikes you as probably like fairly safe, all things considered.
1: Yeah. No, I'm I 100% agree. And one more thing on Connor's, I had a note here um, looking at that no cut event database that I built. His last, he's finished top 25 in four of his last five events, and the other finish was 26th. Um, that was at the Tour Championship, where there's only like 31 players. But seeing that he's got top 20s in uh, his last four no cut events that weren't the Tour Championship really stands out for me as well. It's just a solid. Um, cash play, and of course, we've seen the upside in G- for GPP as well, so I'm, I'm on board with that lineup, for sure. Let me
0: throw two other um, just like 7,000-ish range guys that are showing up in some spots here, more on DraftKings uh, than on FanDuel. Ian Poulter, 7,400 on DraftKings. Adam Han- Hadwin has, sh- has had his fair week of chalk ownership on DraftKings, by the way. He's 7,200. I know that the field is stronger here, uh, but he's had a decent amount of ownership um, since eh, not all the way through the restart, but there's been t- there's been a couple weeks where he wasn't complete chalk, but I think he was like 40 to 50% owned. Um, he's made the cut, H- Hadwin that is. He's made the cut in all five events since the restart, and I believe Poulter has too. Let me just double check that. Poulter might have missed one cut. Um, I had it up in front of me, and then I clicked over to Hadwin. gave me one second no he missed yeah, the memorial just again, yeah he missed the memorial. the memorial Man, i don't know i don't want to not count the memorial but whatever uh he was t5 at workday 64th at the travelers and then t14 at this is poulter at rbc and t29 at charles schwab any interest in either of these two guys just kind of hunting down in the seven thousand dollar tier
1: no poulter stands out as just an always he's just a consistent guy i mean i was going to say he's a, he's a consistent cut maker because he has been that um the, the approach game's kind of been off here this last three weeks, but still, with an approach game that's been off at the workday, um, he made it up with the putter and finished with a T5. Um, it kind of hurt him at the Memorial because the around the green game wasn't good. So if your your approach and your around the green is off, there's a chance you're just not going to be very good at all. That was the case with the Travelers as well. He ended up making the cut there but finished you know pretty much dead last because of that issue as well. So I'm a little bit lower on him this week just because of that recent form. But overall, the larger sample size, he's been very consistent. He finished T8 here at this WGC last year. Not too concerned. He's got a T6 back in 2014 at this same course, so he's had success here. <clears throat> just down a little bit. I like Connors a little bit more and then savings down for, with Todd um over Poulter, but I still have Poulter as one of my uh value plays that I'm looking at. And who is the other guy? Adam Hadwin? Yeah, Hadwin's the other guy. My problem with Hadwin, um, I talked about it before when he was just churning out top 40 after or sorry, 40th or worse after 40th or worse, making the cut, but fortieth or worse. That just seems like what we get out of him every week is he's either going to finish top 10 and contend on the leaderboard on Sunday or he's just going to you know sneak through the cut and finish like T40 to T60. Um, and that's just – I would like these other guys a little bit more, but
0: Hadwin is on my GBP radar. I just like these other guys a little bit more. Yeah, that makes total sense. His uh, ball striking has been off. Just to go the other way real quick on some of these guys, and I'm, I'm kind of sorting by – where our projections land compared to where their tournament win odds are? Because sometimes that's a way to say, like, you know, where, or where where might we stand out in terms of not being on guys <laughs> that certain mm-hmm. other people are? Uh, just Because I, te- I mean, we tend to, to go a little bit more like value, but then I think it's sometimes important to say, you know, where does, like, at least I'm going to say the DFSR system, where it stands out on kind of just, okay, so I'll just, I, let me just I'm, I'm taking a backwards way to say, let me just give you some of these names, because these are the names that are way under, where their, project, their projections are way under where their win odds are. One's Brooks Kapka. Um, he's like in the Henrik Stenson, like Ryan Palmer range right now because of just how he's been playing. We already mentioned Dustin Johnson. I guess he's not exactly the same as these guys, but Paul Casey's another one who's now dipped down to 7,800 but has definitely had ownership at times uh, since the restart. He just, he's missed the cut in the last two. He was actually one of the reasons um, for the 3M that I like – I got. I had three through six. Three out of six guys get through the cut and cashed and double ups on FanDuel. <laughs> and Casey was part of that. Part of that reason. It was just such a weird thing. But where do you stand on those names? Forget DJ because we already talked about him. Kafka and Casey, in terms of their odds, were pretty low on their projections right now. Do you think that could could be a thing that maybe comes back to bite us?
1: I like Casey this week as a bounce back GPP play only. Um, And the reason why, the ball striking in the round the green has been absolutely terrible the last two weeks in these missed cuts, but he's gained over three strokes ball striking in each of those events um, together. So seeing a guy come in, and he's actually gained strokes in both off the tee and approach in six straight as well. So that is awesome to see that the ball striking is still there, even though he's only played, what is it now, three since the return. Um, But seeing that long-term, that the ball striking just continually there every week, all he needs is that putter to come back, which sometimes that's a lot for a person, but over the long term, he's about a you know average zero uh, point one per round type putter. He's not an elite putter by any means, but he's putting well below his um, you know his long term averages right now. So I do see that coming back, and I like that especially with the price. I mean, if he was 8500 I think he'd probably be like 5% owned in this event. The fact that his price came below 8 I think is going to see a little bit of ownership, but I still don't see that much um, just because of the last two weeks. So I think he's a guy we could jump on and maybe leverage in GPPs. But as for a core play, no, nah, I don't think we're really missing anything there at all. Um, Kepka, I'm not worried about. There's something where he's losing five strokes in one area. And five strokes is a lot. If I see a guy maybe gaining in every area, maybe only losing like one stroke, half a stroke in an event in just one area that's keeping him back, fine. But when that one area that he's losing strokes in is like five or more strokes you're losing to the field. Last week it was put in. Memorial, it was around the green. Um, Charles Schwab, it was on the approach shots. Uh, The RBC Heritage, he finished T10, but the around the green the approach game, he ended up losing strokes combined on those. So until he can really put it together... You could use him as a GPP, and I know a lot of people are. I think he's going to gain some steam because of that price tag this week at only $9,200. But yeah, they are daring you with the
0: price. like You're definitely getting dared on the price um, because yep. he just, he's, he's a name. And the upside at
1: that price is huge. <laughs>
0: Yeah, because he has winning upside, right? If it like, all gets yep. put back together, I mean, you could say this about any guy, but not – not you really, well, I take that back. You can't say this about every guy. Um, no, you can't. There is a group of guys that when they have it all going, they are the best, right? Like yep. they, It's hard to catch him. He is in that group, uh, and it's almost more encouraging that he's been losing it in different ways on, on each thing because it makes this me feel like – This is true. Because it makes me feel like that's more that's more of a candidate to get it put back together because he's shown the ability to do all the other stuff at another given time but it's just like it just didn't. It wasn't putting, being put together for that round. That's so a I,
1: great point.
0: I'm fine with. Yeah, well, you know, the, you could probably take that the other way, too. It's like, well, if you're only missing in this one place, you could just need to fix that one thing and you're good. So there's probably, you can make the case for both things. I don't, <laughs> call, I don't want to call it, I don't want to call that like a great point. I don't think because, only because I'm like, yeah, I could easily just make the the, the exact same argument. B-plus. For if yeah, if you're only That's a you're only point. One, All right, well, on that bad point, we can get out of here. All right, <laughs> sportsrankings.com is the site. Uh, you can go over and sign, if you go to dfsr.com slash deals, that will get you the podcast listener pr- uh, access to our projection system for PGA and um, but th- that it includes more than PGA. It includes MLB. It's going to include mm-hmm. M- NBA when it comes back and NFL. We include it all in their one subscription package. Is optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings. So uh, you're not going to find a better deal than that. Chris, just give us a couple of your plugs. Give us the Patreon plug. Give us the Twitter plug uh, before we get out here.
1: Yeah, so you can get my sheets, uh, obviously, at DFSR under that same umbrella of subscriptions. You get all my DFS sheets. I think right now I'm up to, like, 19 different sheets I'm working on right now. Um, So definitely a ton of value there. You can also get my sheets over at Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Bombs, And you can hit me up on Twitter as well, at Jaeger
0: underscore Bombs9. No one works harder in the fantasy industry than one Mr. Chris Durrell. We're going to get out of here, but Enjoy what's going to be a really fun tournament to watch, I think, this week. We'll be back again next week when we talk about our first major of the restart. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Thanks, everyone. Good luck.